Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome back to the All-American Brit Podcast on the Believe Podcasting Network. I'm your host, Johnny McEwen. It is all about postseason baseball in today's episode. And who knows, maybe you'll learn something from today's show that can make you smarter and maybe even wealthier because you can use all of your sport knowledge at Bet Online. Bet Online is the number one place for everything sports betting. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Don't forget to use our promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your bonus. From football, basketball, boxing, baseball, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online. It's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. Very happy to say that Jake Reiner is back on the podcast. Jake Reiner is, of course, on Meeting on the Mound with Jake Reiner, as well as The Incline. You can listen to those wherever you get your podcasts, and you might even catch him on the sports desk or out in the field as Jake is a reporter and anchor for KCAL and CBS LA News. We get to talk about one of my favorite things in the world, which is postseason baseball. There's nothing quite like it, and I'm so excited to get to talk about it with you. Jake, welcome back on the show. Pleasure to be back, Johnny. We were talking about this last night, and I think that playoff baseball is the greatest postseason experience in any major sport. It just is. The drama, the storylines, every single game is a whole new adventure, and you never know what's going to happen. And we're all on the edges of our seats for every one of these games. Absolutely right. Post, there's nothing quite like postseason baseball, so I'm very excited to get to talk about some of it with you today. You know, I left off on last week's show, and it was a preview of the wild card game, the first time that the Dodgers have had to go through to a wild card game. This is a you know eight time <laughs> NL West defending champion, but they had to get it done in a wild card game. And you were lucky enough to be at the park during that game. You were at the game against the Cardinals. What was it like getting to the park that day? What were your thoughts walking into the game? Talk us through getting to the wildcard experience. Okay. Well, first I'll tell you what it was like as a fan individually. I was nervous as all hell for the Dodgers to have won 106 games, to be in this position where it's do or die, one, one and done. I was nervous because as we saw throughout the season with the Dodgers, they Uh, had a tendency to put up big runs one day and then the next day go absolutely silent with the bats. And so it was sort of like what Dodgers team was going to show up that day. And my worst fears were confirmed because they did not hit the ball well. Aside from Justin Turner's home run and Chris Taylor's walk-off home run, 
the offense was pretty much nothing. Uh, they had one opportunity in the third inning with Trey Turner, the bases loaded in one out and he granted it grounded into a double play. That was really the only threat. The good news is though, is that the Dodgers pitchers, Max Scherzer didn't have his best stuff, but he fought through it. The bullpen was excellent. And Chris Taylor came through when the Dodgers needed him to, but overall was, it was a palpable experience. I mean, the entire crowd was just in every single pitch as excruciating as it was to be in this position where if you lose, you go home at the same time. It was also really exciting considering this was like a game seven situation and it did have that excitement. The crowd was collectively nervous together because one bounce, one bad bounce, one home run here could have meant the game. I mean, we saw it, you know, in the very first inning where the Cardinals got out to a one nothing lead on a pass ball wild pitch. I forget what the ruling was, but that's exactly that's exactly what happened. It was a bad bounce. And if Turner doesn't hit a home run, if Taylor doesn't hit a home run, the Dodgers lose one to nothing. Dodgers were in, it was a tight game the whole way through. You know, Max Scherzer did his best, to, you know, and he didn't have his best stuff per se, but he was fantastic to be honest and you know like you said the wild pitch was the one run that got across for the Cardinals Justin Turner does hit a home run ties the game up and the game was stuck at one for a very long time felt like days and then you know Chris Taylor gets up there swing of his life clears the wall ball leaves the field left field walk off home run Dodgers move on what were your thoughts in that moment the park must have just been going crazy just euphoria I mean Johnny you've you know, you've been to a playoff walk-off home run in the World Series 2018. You and I were there together. Game three in the 18th inning, Max Muncie, we were there for what seems like the the the, the length of a cricket match. It, we were there <laughs> for so long. And to finally get that moment at the end, that release, I think I felt more just relief after that home run from Chris Taylor than anything. Mm. Um I'm just, just, you know, you could finally relax uh, and just enjoy the moment and how special it was. And the entire stadium just erupted, just absolutely erupted um, as soon as he hit it. Um, In fact, off the bat, I didn't think he hit it out. Uh, I thought it was at least a double in the gap, which would have won the game anyway, because Cody Bellinger was on second base already. He could have just walked home. But the fact that it cleared the wall was just, extra special and you and i figured out last night that i have been in attendance for two of the four walk-off home runs for the dodgers in the postseason and you've been there for one of them so we're you know we're, we're in rare air here i was that's what i was going to say four in history for the dodgers the first of course was 1988 kirk gibson and that home run's been replayed so many times now and as dodger yep. fans we've seen that so many times and then now in this recent history, we've gotten the three more. 2017 with Justin Turner, 2018, well, well, you know, the World Series with Max Muncy, where we were both in the stadium that night. And then, of course, you were there for the wildcard walk-off. You've caught 50% of the walk-off home runs. So I feel like that's a little bit of payback for you for having to watch that 1988 clip so many times as a kid growing up. Oh, my God, dude. I mean, it, to, to, to think about, you know, uh, the ups and downs that you've that you go through as a fan but especially of a team that is consistently good year in and year out but as everyone knows like 
before the Dodgers ripped off eight division titles in a row, nine consecutive postseason appearances in a row, there were some really rough times. Mm. I mean, there was some 70 win teams back in the day that there were, there were teams that just weren't even close to making the playoffs. Um, So to go through those years to finally get the, you know, the excitement, the release of watching your team actually succeed in one of those dramatic moments. There's just nothing like it. Like I said, it would, it would have been nine years in a row if we had won the NLS this year, eight years running that we've been the division champions. Of course we weren't, we didn't win it this year, having to go into the wildcard situation, but, you know, of those eight years, you've got to say the last three, four years, the Dodgers have been just undeniably one of the best teams in baseball, getting through to the later stages of the playoffs. In the years before that, it was always a struggle. We'd fell to the Phillies multiple times. I mean, you know, the, this this postseason stuff is, it takes a bit of magic dust, it takes timing, and it takes hits. And so, like we saw in the moment with Chris Taylor, he's was eight for 72 since August, gets to the plate, slumping like he's never slumped in his career has the biggest swing of his life and that's just how these moments unfold in the postseason like you were saying at the very top there's nothing quite like it there's something so special about the importance of these games the importance of a 162 game season that we didn't get last year that just feels the rhythm of baseball it's the chance and it and it takes something really special to be a team that goes on and moves on in these division series and so we get to a division series the Dodgers against the Giants we've been battling against them all year faced them you know over 20 times this season but still they are our bugaboo it seems in baseball we have we went to you know game one Logan Webb was absolutely dominant and blanked the Dodgers and then Dodgers come out and score nine runs the next night it's like you said it's you know I always get a bit nervous when you see a ton of runs go up in one game because it's like well we might get goose egg the next night and you and I watched the game last night and we got goose egged again we 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 had more hits than the Giants um they we out hit them five hits to three but still we come up short uh, what have you made of the series so far? And uh, what was your assessment on last night? For those of, of, of those fans out there that are wondering why the Dodgers led Major League Baseball in run differential by a mile, this is it in a nutshell. The fact that they scored zero runs one game, then they scored nine, and then zero again. That's why run dif- differential is, is not really a stat that I love to look at. It can tell you a little bit about a team that they can put up runs, but it doesn't tell you how consistent an offense is. And the Dodgers offense has been anything but consistent this season. And this is what I've, this is what I've been afraid of going into, going into the series, going into that wildcard game was just, were the Dodgers going to be able to put together great at bats and drive in runs? And they just haven't done it consistently. They did it in one game, but in game one, they completely went away from their typical strategy of grinding out at bats, working the count, not chasing. They chased literally everything. People like to say, oh, well, the umpire gave, you know, the, the Giants the outside part of the plate. Sure. But the but this Dodgers team is so much more disciplined than they proved in game one. Then in game two, they really were disciplined, and that's why you saw a, a big crooked number, the nine runs. And then in game three, there were other factors at play. So the Dodgers did have good at-bats. They did hit the ball well at times. 
if you look back at some of the baseball savant stat casts, uh, you know, nerdy stats, you can find that there were a number of different balls that had expected batting averages over 700, over 800, over 900 from the Dodgers, where typically what that means is that if the, if the Giants weren't positioned properly, if the Giants didn't play stellar defense, which they did, and the wind didn't knock down Gavin Lux's final fly ball of the game that should have left the park. Mm. I mean, Johnny, you and I even watched the, the center fielder, Stephen Duggar. It fooled him. He was already at the warning track and then realized, oh my God, actually this ball is in front of the warning track. Let me correct myself mm. and get back into the field, onto the outfield grass to make this catch. So it, that's the funny thing about postseason baseball. It's like, you know, the Dodgers couldn't buy a run to save their life. They were robbed at every chance by defense or by the wind. And all it took for the Giants was just one swing that got enough elevation from Evan Longoria, and that's your ball game. That's, you know, and, and that's what this magic dust comes from. That's where this postseason magic dust, and it just, you kind of, I was stumped last night by it, you know, like you said, it was a weird night in LA. The wind was really, really blowing. Um, Clayton Kershaw was interviewed during the game, said, I've never seen Dodger Stadium like this. You know, guys, yeah. his whole career as a Dodger, never seen the ballpark with this much wind blowing in, nearly knocked Max Scherzer off the mound in the first inning. And I think the the, the key plays in this was Brandon Crawford's catch. You know, two guys on, Mookie Betts lines a beautiful single into left field. And Brandon Crawford brought a mini trampoline with him out of the shortstop <laughs> position, and he jumped so perfectly and and with such incredible timing caught the ball at the very peak of his jump and Gavin Lux it was a home run swing the crowd reaction was a home run swing the way it sounded off the bat was a home run swing but it got too much you know it just got too much air it was way windier up there when it was below and it just knocked the ball down and that could have you know bottom of the ninth that could be a huge huge momentum shifter instead we now have two games to one, San Francisco holds the advantage. The Dodgers and the Giants play again tonight. Uh, we we got to win. We uh, you know without any doubt we got to win to get a chance to go back to San Francisco and have a game five. Do you think this game? You think this series could get to a game five? Oh, definitely. I think with the Dodgers haven't announced it yet, but I have full confidence that they'll go with Walker Bueller. They're going up against Anthony DiSclafani, who they've beaten before. He's a hittable guy. He has had a decent season. But he is very hittable. He's right-handed, so that bodes well for the Dodgers as well. They can stack up their lefties. I'm curious if they'll start Gavin Lux or not. Not sure if they'll start Gavin Lux over AJ Pollock. I could go either way. I, I'd like to see Gavin Lux get some more at-bats uh, in this series because I feel like he can be a spark plug at times, um, not only with his bat but with his legs. Um, questionable defensively out there in the outfield. But, I mean, here's the thing about the Giants is that we all know they shouldn't be this good. They've outkicked their coverage the entire way, but they play really good baseball. I mean, really sound baseball defense. I mean, I, I, I was watching some of the defensive highlights from this series from the giants. Unbelievable Unreal. plays, yeah. unbelievable double plays, unbelievable outfield catches. You mentioned the Brandon Crawford leaping catch. I mean, just stellar defense. So, they're not going to give you any extra outs. They're not going to, you know, provide you any sort of advantage whatsoever. You just got to go out there and beat them. That's, that's all there is to it. 
They're not going to let you back in the game. They're not going to give you that opportunity. You just got to go up there and shove it down their throats. Well, looking at looking at the patterns, we got goose egg last night, so we'll put up 12 runs tonight. And then, right. we'll, and then we'll go to San Francisco and get blanked by Logan Webb in game five. That's what exactly. I worry about. You know, I love, our, I really like our chances tonight, you know, game four, Dodger Stadium. Then there'll be an off day. And then on Thursday, it would be a game five in San Francisco. And that'll be a really tough game to beat, to beat them in their home crowd. You know, all of that, you know, but it's still baseball. It, you know, yeah. game five, game, you know, when it comes down to it, it could be a coin flip. Right. It is a coin flip. And that's, that's the point I wanted to make, which is, Let's not worry about game five. Let's worry about game four. Yeah. Let's get that win. And then you get to a game five, game seven. I mean, anything can happen. Exactly right? right. The Dodgers have already seen Logan Webb. You don't know if they figured something out with him. They can change their approach at the plate. Who knows? He may have an off night. You never know. Yep. You know, you may be able to scratch two runs off of Logan Webb and Julio Rios pitches another game of his life. And there you go. You're onto the CS. But the But the point is, is that don't worry about oh they oh they may put up big runs tonight and get blanked in in game five. Screw that. Win game four, then worry about game win game four. That's the motto. I like it. Let's talk about the other series that's going on in the National League. The Braves took a big upper hand in the series on Monday with a win at home. They lost the first game to the Brewers, but won the second in Milwaukee, You know, mainly by the hands of former Dodger Jock Peterson. It's super weird for me seeing Jock in a Braves uniform. Uh, I found it kind of weird seeing him tear it up. Have you felt the same way seeing a you know former Dodger now playing for the Braves? It is a little weird, especially since both Jock Peterson, well, and Kike Hernandez and Alex Rodugo are all having monster postseasons so far. And, you know, wouldn't it be nice to have one of them on our team right now uh, providing some offensive thump because the Dodgers have really been uh, lacking that, um, you know, taking game two of the DS out of the equation. But the truth is, is that the Dodgers really wouldn't have any room for them on this, on their current roster. They have really good players. They won 106 games. They're, you know, two wins away of going to the, the, um, the NLCS. So to me, it's like, I'm able to look at it from that perspective and, Oh, the only thing I think about, I don't feel sadness that we don't have Jock Peterson or sadness that that the Dodgers don't have Kike Hernandez or Alex Verdugo. I'm able to look at it ob- objectively and say, wow, you know, it makes sense. All three of those guys, I mean, Kike didn't come through the Dodgers system, but he was a really young player when he got traded from the Marlins. Both Jock Peterson and Alex Verdugo came through the Dodgers system. It makes sense. They develop really good players. So good for Jock Peterson. The guy continues to mash in the postseason. Jocktober's a real thing. He has two home runs in this series. Both of them are pinch hit home runs. So mm-hmm. the dude's not even starting. I don't know why. Why wouldn't you start him? <laughs> if there's a right-handed pitcher on the mound, he should be starting in these games. I agree. But he's just he's just been special. He's a special postseason hitter. You know, David Ortiz is a special postseason hitter. There are guys throughout the history of baseball, Justin Turner, a magical postseason hitter, guys that just rise to the occasion. The problem in this series for the Brewers is that their offense has literally scored two runs the entire time. Christian Yelich is two for 10 with five strikeouts. 
their offense has not shown up at all. And in a series where I thought the Brewers would have the edge pitching wise, it's actually been the Braves that have had a, have had the edge pitching wise. I mean, they, their relievers, their bullpen has allowed no runs, seven hits and five walks in nine innings. Their starters have only allowed two earned runs in 17 innings. Meanwhile, the Brewers bullpen, which is supposed to be their bread and butter, they've allowed four runs, nine hits, two home runs, and five walks um, throughout throughout these you know couple of games, which is a 360 ERA. It's not terrible, but when you compare it to the Braves zero, that's the difference. Yeah, Devin Williams was a huge loss for the Brewers bullpen as well, oh. and he kind of carried. He you know it's it's kind of amazing to have watched them in the later part of the season because it was a bullpen pitcher that kind of carried a team. Uh, yeah. He was their momentum. He was their guy. And I think, you know, the Brewers are interesting to me. You know, they kind of surprised me. I didn't think they would do as well as they have this season. And the guy that kind of stumps me is Kristen Yelich. I mean, he's got all of the makeup of a superstar, but just has been lacking in these key moments. You know, what do you think it's going to take for the Brewers to go from being a good ball team that they are, a playoff bound team usually, to a great team that can move on in these in these series? It's all It all comes down to offense. They just have to score. They're hitting a collective 176 as a team in this series. Only four extra base hits. You know, they scored two runs in three games. That's that's just not going to get it done. They've got it. They've got to put runs on the board. And for the Braves, their their starters, I mean, Max Fried was stellar in his in his start against the Brewers. Their starting pitching has uh has been un- unbelievable. And the Brewers pitching hasn't been bad, but their offense has been non-existent, and that's the difference. Braves have a chance to end it tonight. Do you think they end the series tonight? I think they do. It's come down to timely hitting for the Braves, and they've just had it in every game. I mean, except for the first game. They only scored one run, but it was off a Jock Peterson home run, pinch hit home run. Um, They've just had timely hitting, and they're at home. Uh, I think they close it out. I like their chances too. We'll see how it plays out tonight. Game four, Brewers and the Braves. Now to the American League. It was a rain delay game four in Chicago yesterday. They canceled the game, so they'll end up playing it tonight. Houston looked like they were going to sweep them after a dominant display in Houston. Two games up when they arrived in the south side of Chicago, but the White Sox aren't dead yet. Wild game on Sunday night. The score was 9-6 by the end of the fourth inning. Lots of runs early. But with their five-run third inning, the White Sox kind of gained their lead and they did not let go. What have you thought of the series so far? I know you've been big on the White Sox this year. Pitching has been awful in this series. I mean, outside of outside of Lance McCullers Jr., who was excellent in his game one start, he pitched six and two-thirds innings, no runs, no walks, four strikeouts. Unfortunately, that rain-delayed game, the postponed game from yesterday, is going to possibly haunt the White Sox because they ha- they're going to have to face McCullers again today, and they couldn't hit him in game one. They lost that one six to one, but the White Sox starting pitching has been atrocious. And I thought, cause I had picked the White Sox to go to the world series. I actually picked pitched, uh, picked White Sox Dodgers to be in the world series. And both of those teams are on the brink of being eliminated. So my, my predictions are, are going completely haywire at this point, but 
The White Sox starting pitching has been terrible. Lucas Giolito, awful. Lance Lynn, terrible. Dylan Cease couldn't get out of with the third inning or whatever. He was garbage. The, those are the three horses that took them to the playoffs. They have Carlos Rodon going for them, who's, who pitched a no hitter this year. Um, so they've got a good, they've got a good shot. They've got great, they've got great starting pitching. They've had great starting pitching for the entire season, but their starters have been bad. Their bullpen has been bad. The, their, their bullpen has, has blown blew a lead in game two. Um, they've just given up a lot of runs. And when you're facing an Astros team that much like the Red Sox is relentless offensively, they don't give up. The, you know, no deficit is too large for this Astros team because in that lineup, hitting is contagious. What are you talking about? Bregman, Correa, Jordan Alvarez, Yuli Gurriel, Jose Altuve. Those guys, I mean, collectively are just a, a juggernaut when they're right. Um, and so it, it's going to be tough for the White Sox to send this game back to Minute Maid, but they're at home. Um, they've got one of their really good starters going for them. It's just, it's just a matter of if their, if their offense can, can carry them in this game can really break out and, and win this ball game for them. Cause the, the offense is what won it for them in game three. Like you said, the rain delay might very well come back to haunt the White Sox. They will have to face Lance McCullers today. Hopefully they can keep up some of the momentum that they gained on Sunday night, scoring all those runs. But how do you think it'll play out? Do you think the Astros take this game tonight? I'm going to say the White Sox take this game tonight. I really think that uh, they've got a lot of magic on that team. Uh, what I saw from them during the Field of Dreams game against the Yankees this year, they just never quit. And their their offense is also contagious. Uh, when you talk about Tim Anderson, Jose Abreu, Luis Robert, Eloy Jimenez, I mean, Yon Moncada, Yasmani Grandal, I mean, that is a stacked offense. And so they're also, they also have that contagious aspect to them. But these bullpens have been awful in this series. The White Sox have a 528 bullpen ERA. The Astros have a worse 584 ERA. So pitching has been bad, except for Lance McCullers in game one. That's the only good thing pitching-wise in this series. Well, we'll see some good pitching again. Lance McCullers will pitch. We'll see how it plays out tonight in the American League series. To the other American League series, the Red Sox won the wild card game against their ultimate AL East rival in the New York Yankees, only to end up facing their other divisional rival, the Tampa Bay Rays. It's been a fascinating series. Rays took care of the Red Sox with very little fanfare in the first game. Sox got shot out 5-0, similar to the two, you know, two game answers from the Dodgers. You know, one night you get blanked, so you go off in game two. So the Red Sox got off, went and gone crazy in game two they kept plugging away at the Rays end up scoring 14 runs 14-6 was how it ended in game two so they head to Sunday Fenway Rays tie the game in the eighth 4-4 series tied I mean th these were the really tenuous moments late in the game we go into extra innings one of the craziest plays I've ever seen ball off the back clear double off the top of the wall it comes back and hints Hunter Renfro on the thigh and Inso then flies over the wall and out of play 
Kevin Kiermaier was, you know, thinks he should have gone all the way around to third, which would have brought in one of the runs. Did you see this play? Did you, can you try and make sense of this? I'm, I, find, I was trying to write out how I would speak about it. It was such a weird play. Yeah, it is a weird play, but the rules are pretty clear. When a player knocks a ball out of play that isn't on the fly, because if, if it was on the fly, it'd be a home run but the ball bounced in the field of play off of the fielder and over the fence, it's technically a ground rule double. And so when there's a ground rule double, the uh, whoever is on base, they advance at least two bases from where they started when the pitch was thrown, not necessarily where they could have gone if the ball never left the park. So they made the right call in, in that situation it sucks though but you know them's the rules uh you've you've you know you've just got to play baseball and they did and they if that ball had not gone over the fence then the rays would have scored a run in that inning they would have been up by one run but then christian vasquez hit a two-run walk-off home run in the 13th so they would have you know lost by one right you know i mean so it, it literally, it, you know what you want to talk about a game of inches. I mean, the, the ball hit the wall, bounced on the ground, hit the guy on the thigh and just creeped over the wall. But if yeah. it had just, a, you know, an inch and a half lower and it had bounced and ricocheted back off the wall, staying in the field of play, Kevin Kiermaier's on third. It's a totally different ball game. I mean, look, Johnny, we talked about this last night watching the Dodgers Giants game. It's a game of inches that there was a, a, fly, a slicing fly ball down the right field line that Barely went foul off the bat of Trey Turner. Probably the wind pushed it out, you know, uh, in foul territory. You know, you talk about uh, Brandon Crawford making that leaping catch. If the ball is just an inch higher, maybe that tips off his glove or goes over his his head and the Dodgers score there. Uh, it is just a, 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 it's a beautiful game. It's a really frustrating game. And for the Rays, that really sucked. That was a tough one. Just- that yeah. was a tough one for momentum. You know, they get the walk off. And then last night, uh, you know, they the Red Sox come out, scored a ton of runs early, uh, but the Rays didn't give up. Juan Franco hit a huge home run. This is definitely a guy to watch. Youngster for the Rays. Hit, hit an absolute bomb. Game is tied in the bottom of the ninth. Red Sox string a couple of uh, hits together. And it was our old guy Kike at the plate. And he delivers the walk-off single. The Red Sox are moving on to the American League Championship Series. What have you made of the Red Sox in the last month versus the last six months of their season? I mean, the way they started this season with lots of question marks. The real dip before the All-Star Game, after the All-Star Game. And then in the last two months... I don't think you, you know, last month, I don't think you can find a harder team in baseball. Oh, the Red Sox are, if you're a Red Sox fan, I, I don't know how you made it through this season. The ups and downs, the peaks and valleys with this team are, were just historic. I mean, the, the way that they started the season, just awful. Um, They got swept by the Orioles. It looked really bad there. Then they caught fire, went out of their minds then they, you know, took a huge hit. They they had like losing streaks of four games and five games. And uh, it looked like they were going to be, you know, knocked out of the playoffs. It looked like maybe the, the Blue Jays were going to sneak in there or the Mariners were going to sneak in there. And then on, on the final day, they were able to secure that spot. They absolutely steamrolled the Yankees. 
I mean, this is a, a lineup that has a lot of clutch in it, has a lot of pop in it. Uh, you talked about Kike Hernandez in the postseason so far this year. He's hitting 435. His OPS is over 1,200. Wow. He has two home runs, five extra base hits, and six RBIs. He's been unbelievable. And then hitting right behind him in that lineup is Rafael Devers, who had two huge home runs in this series, 300 batting average, over 1,000 OPS. Th- this is a dangerous lineup. I mentioned Alex Verdugo as well. He's been on fire. The, the thing is, is the Red Sox, like the Astros, very contagious hitting, very much, you know, col- you know they, they hit well as a unit. Uh, and so that's why they're able to, you know, win these games. It, you know, the, and, and, and for the Rays, they hit the ball well. They scored at least four runs in every single game. Hmm. I mean, you'll, you could take that every time, especially considering the fact that the Rays were supposed to have this great pitching. But the problem was is that they didn't have enough good pitching. Yeah. Their style of uh, going with openers and uh, playing the matchups and very unconventional style of baseball – doesn't always work in the postseason. And when you look at the Rays team last year that went to the World Series, they had really good starters. Blake Snell, Charlie Morton, and uh, Tyler Glasnow. Morton went to the Braves. Snell was traded to the Padres. Glasnow was out for the season with an injury. Uh, They traded away Rich Hill. So they really only had Shane McClanahan, who was really good in game one, and Shane Baz, who's a rookie, who wasn't that great. And in a, in a elimination game in game four, you start with Colin McHugh who had two good, two good innings. And then the, unfortunately they, they had to bring in Shane McClanahan, a guy that doesn't have experience on short rest in this type of heightened environment. And he faltered and the Red Sox pounced on him for five runs. And so that could have been the game, but their offense didn't let them die. That was the thing. It's like their offense was really good. Their pitching was just bad. And that's, and that was the difference in this series. You talked about Wander Franco rookie, a guy, the guy is you, you are right. You do need to keep an eye on this guy. He hit 368 in this series, over a thousand OPS, two home runs, four RBIs. The guys were, he was on fire. And I want to say one, that one other thing about, um, the Rays in this series. And I, I was shocked when I, when I looked this up, the Rays had a lead in every single game in this series. Wow. That's every crazy. single one, they had a lead yeah. and they couldn't, the only lead that they could hold was game one when they won five, nothing Their their bullpen ERA 6.51. The Red Sox hit 333 off of their relievers. Hmm. There you go. There it is. Yeah. Just couldn't hold the lead. And it's not like their bats didn't show up. You know what I mean? They they were good. They were f- fighting back. You know, Randy Arozarena is a real talent in this game. You know, really, you know, the Rays put together a really interesting ball club, a ball club that knows how to win. But like you said, they, they do so much with their starting pitching. They follow this rule book that they've created for themselves that struggles in a postseason format. Um they they were they had a really successful run through the postseason last year. Of course, they they were always in it. They're in an incredibly competitive division of the AL East. They're an amazing ball club, but nobody hotter than the Red Sox right now. Like I was saying before, right. this last month, the way they battle back in in games, they, they were you know Rays have a lead of, in every game and they still come through. 
That's a real testament to this ball club. You know, we've seen quite a bit of divisional series baseball now. We've still got a couple of, you know, big games coming tonight. How do you think this division, you know, you got any predictions for how this is all going to play out? Do you have uh, CS, you know, who, who do you think is going to be in the NLCS, ALCS? I thought at the beginning of the division series that it was going to be Dodgers Brewers in the NLCS and White Sox Rays. <laughs> I think I could be wrong on all, all of, of those. Yeah, it's very possible because, that you could be wrong because, on all of those. Well, I'm already wrong about the Rays Red Sox because right. the Red Sox are moving on. The Astros have the advantage in the their series. The, the Braves had the advantage in, in their <laughs> series. And the Dodgers are on the brink of elimination. So I'm hanging on by a thread. <laughs> so I guess until the final outs are recorded in all of these games, I'm going to stick with my predictions because what, you know, why would I change my prediction now? Yeah. If I don't have to. Yeah. Obviously the, the Rays are out so that there's nothing I can do about that. But if the White Sox somehow prevail and they win the next two games, then my world series predictions are still on still in check. Same with the Dodgers. If the Dodgers figure out a way to win two games in a row, my world series prediction is still alive. I had as well White Sox Dodgers. So when I filled up my bracket when the this you know before the postseason even began. But I find it very hard to bet against these Red Sox right now. I didn't even think they'd win the wild card game and they they well, just look, look on fire. They're 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 the best offense in the postseason right now. They they have a team OPS of nine nineteen. The next best team is the White Sox at seven sixty two. They're collectively just a juggernaut right now and they're they're going to go as far as their offense takes them i think you know jake it's a pleasure to have you on here i hope that you'll come back next week and we will enjoyed a you know five game series in in both sides the dodgers will move through if not i'll enjoy getting to talk baseball with you because i always enjoy talking baseball with you jake thank you so much for coming on the show of course johnny anytime you want to talk baseball i'm always down thanks pal Thanks again to Jake Reiner for coming on the podcast. Be sure to check out Meeting on the Mound and the Incline podcast. Still tons of exciting baseball and we'll be covering it here on the All-American Brit podcast presented by Bet Online on the Believe Podcasting Network. Be sure to follow me at AA Britpod on Instagram and Twitter. As always, I'm your host, Johnny McEwen, and until next time, take care. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call. Click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.